of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. A constant barrage of eye-opening conspiracies and ad-libbed innuendo. Featuring Chris Field. On the streets, he's known as a jackass. Parker Clayer. Yes, there's no two ways about it. He's super white. And Alex Sennar. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. Entire production supervised by Bigfoot. Uh... Now, let's join the boys for their latest episode. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Real Deal No Sex Spiel. My name is Chris. With me, as always, is the Bobsy Twins. And we watch The Phantom. But before we get into that, Parker, do we have any news? I just want to say RIP to a real one. Uh, we are here currently mourning the loss of Garfield Eats. Brought us a lot of good times on this show, but once again, the landlords have taken something from us. And we well, there goes my jerk of the week. <laughs> <laughs> my jerk of the week was about to be the city of Toronto, so. <laughs> they should have come together and made it happen. Everyone should have chipped in, taxed everyone to pay for their rent. But don't worry, you can still buy their frozen Big Cow lasagnas online. Because All right, quote, there we go. No landlord can take that recipe away from us know what i'm getting everyone for christmas thank you so much i can only imagine what the shipping is from canada worth it is what it is absolutely right oh you don't support small business oh, but canada. what if my garfacino gets cold <laughs> i can't believe we never got to go this is definitely the worst part of 2020 so far there's right. still one in Dubai, dude. There's still time. <laughs> oh, they haven't closed down, have they? <laughs> I doubt it. I, I mean, what else are you going to do in Dubai? Garfield eats in Dubai. <laughs> <laughs> Next week's episode, Sex in the City 2. No, quit pushing for Sex in the City 2. <laughs> I'm not going to watch the first one. Yes, I will. I know, that's why I don't want him to pick it. <laughs> So, Parker, what about that major trailer that dropped? Uh, I didn't <laughs> want to talk about it. How does Zack Snyder's Justice League look so much shittier than the shitty movie that already came out? I think that, I can answer this one. Have yeah. you seen other Zack Snyder movies? Correct. That shot of a guy. We'll Here's the that. new and improved Steppenwolf. It just looking... Like a fucking video card is the funniest, thing, <laughs> <laughs> the ugliest thing I've ever seen. Zack Snyder is so cool. They spent seventy million dollars on. This. Well, you see, twelve guys on Twitter really wanted it, so it's definitely gonna make its money back. So, my question here, Parker, you seem to know a lot more about this than anyone else because you're such a big fan of DC. Is is this whole movie actually going to be in black and white, or is that just the trailer? Oh my god, I hope it is. Like, there's something about just, like, every two weeks, something, quote, just comes out about it for some reason. And just seeing, like, ah, his original plan was to make it two movies and to be an IMAX in black and white. And I'm just cackling in the break room, like, who the fuck asked for this? Who would want this? Who would approve this? 
he is the greatest grifter in the history of movies, I think. Like I'm pretty sure a dozen people just screaming to release the cut of a movie that's already ready, guys. All they do is release it. <laughs> and now he's just making a completely separate four-hour $70 million movie. Are you ready for us to find out in, like, a year that all of the Release the Snyder Cut Twitter accounts are just uh, his burners? I would not be surprised. I have that's a feeling that's actually it. the case. Like, every single clip that's released in these trailers is like, not a single bit of that was in the movie. <laughs> He's just... He conned them and be like, guys, it's ready. Like, it could come out. Here's a bunch of empty film canisters. The movie's ready. All right, here's some money. Cool, so I need to get everyone together. I gotta do some reshoots. Uh, none of the effects are done. What a legend. <laughs> do you think this is gonna be one of those things where... Uh, Gal Gadot never actually said, oh, please release the Snyder Cut. It was actually like her publicist who was paid like 20 bucks by Zack Snyder. Look, there's no way Ben Affleck was like, alright guys, let's coordinate and I'll tweet it on the same day. Ben <laughs> <laughs> Affleck doesn't know that tweet happened. He doesn't. He has not thought of Batman in four years. He does not care. <laughs> He's still thinking about the accountant. Dude, <laughs> As am I. <laughs> not a day I, goes by. I have a feeling that it's going to come out in one of us we'll see it and the immediate reaction is going to be just no wonder they didn't release this, this version <laughs> yeah, i wonder which one of us that'll be could be anybody you're gonna have to use a wish on that movie uh, it's fine <laughs> why do you think it takes so early buddy we'll just i uh <laughs> i have some news to add okay rip directly from the headlines Elon Musk forced to watch historic SpaceX launch from home and mocked as Space Karen after catching COVID. <laughs> what a stupid world. <laughs> Space Karen sounds like a Star Trek below decks joke. Oh. The more that show gets brought up, the more I feel like someone's going to have to take that L. <laughs> so if we could just put that in the ether, that'd be fine with me. Right, yeah. Uh, no. Uh, let's get into our Jerks of the Week. Oh, fuck. I can't believe you've done this. Well, I took Alex's already, unfortunately. Uh, I got a backup. It's fine. Oh, nice. Alright, let's hear your backup. My ba my Jerk of the Week is uh, the seagull at the zoo yesterday that was stealing all the food from the penguins' mouths. <laughs> that is a jerk. Huh? Yeah, oh, I know. On, man. Yeah, that's a good jerk. That's a good backup. Yeah. Did you take an edible before you went? I did not. I should have. Oh, well, my jerk of the week is Alex for not taking an edible like he said he would. <laughs> Was your jerk of the week going to be me for taking an edible if I did? <laughs> Making your girlfriend drive you there. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been an adventure. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Let's get into what we watched recently. Does Parker not get one? I didn't have a good one. You're fine. He said he, right. he said he took yours. So, <laughs> I mean, I was myself because if I had not asked you what we were watching, I would have accidentally watched The Shadow with Alec Baldwin. So, uh, really, really dodging Alex. I could not remember for the life of me what it was legit. Called. That could have been next week's episode, but for Jujitsu. So, thank you, Nick Cage. <laughs> the great people of Cyprus, where I think that was filmed. Okay, well. I decided I, I would do some catching up with Parker in the horror list, and uh, I don't know how do many. That... Yes, I do. You know how I am. It brings you no joy. Oh, correct. Because the first movie I watched was The Conjuring. So, uh, this is directed by James Wan. Uh, Your favorite. Oh, yeah. You know how much I like his movies. Um, do you remember the advertising for this movie? Sure do. 
Yeah, the advertising for this movie was all over the place. I remember everyone was making a really big deal about it, and I, it, I did not see the appeal. I, it did not look like something I wanted to see. Another exorcism movie, another haunted house movie. Uh, but upon watching it, I can safely, I can safely say this is yet another exorcism or haunted house movie. Correct. Uh, what makes it special? The next movie I watched was The Mist. Uh, Chris, Chris, can I pause you for two seconds? Breaking news ahead. coming across the presses. It should belong in the news section. Morning oh. sports update. Bill Belichick says Trump administration should take action against Turkey and Azerbaijan in conflict. What? Did he really say that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. My d- that man won't answer a question. How did this come up? <laughs> Hang on. All right, my new jerk of the week is Azerbaijan and Turkey. <laughs> How did he get bait? Hey, uh, why did your team look so bad? Uh, we just got to practice more. Hey, what do you think about Turkey? Look here, motherfucker. We've got a month left. we got to get in there. <laughs> Sorry, I thought the world needed to know that. That, I can safely say I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> what the it's weird because I usually watch his press conferences because they're more entertaining than most of the movies on this list. Correct. Hey, Chris, are you Ugh. excited to watch The Conjuring 2? That's not on the list. Don't make that up. Uh, and the Conjuring is like the <laughs> perfect normie horror movie. Like, yeah. Because um, like, it's got jump scares, which is what you want when you have a bunch of normies around. There's no sexual assault, which is always important to note in a horror movie. And like, mm-hmm. they're well shot. They're just too long. And also... There, there seemed to be a whole lot in the... Boring. There seemed to be a whole lot in this series. I guess this is also where the Annabelle stuff comes from and the Curse of La Llorona. Let me just pull up the stat here. A combined budget nun. of $139 million with a gross a combined $1.9 billion. Normies love these movies. I, I think what kind of bugs me about these movies is the, the constant insistence that, no, no, this one really happened. Yeah, okay, sure. Here's your main characters, the Warrens. Don't you love them? No. Sir Huckster screwed, scared poor people out of all of their money, but they love God and each other. Don't you love them so much? Yeah. A waste of my time. Uh, anyway, Actually. I did, <laughs> I did watch The Mist, and uh, that was almost certainly the best horror movie that I watched. Um, in fact, looking through a list, easily the best horror movie that it's I watched. So fucking good. I think when we talk about the best Stephen King movies, some people tend to forget about The Mist. It's probably the last really great Stephen King movie. Um, I don't know that I would include it, Chapter 1. Maybe, but I don't think it's quite as good as The Mist. Now, I've already seen The Mist, but I like the on a rewatch much better because now I watch the director's cut in black and white, and it is so much better in black and white. It <laughs> uh, is night day. Yeah. Does the director's cut fix the ending? I don't remember. Uh, they... I, pretty sure they both have the same ending which is fixed from the original novella so uh unless unless there was a theatrical cut where it ended like the novella parker did that happen i don't think so but also there's too much poo in my brain i can't yeah i straight. i don't i'd prefer not to spoil it because people yeah we can talk we can talk one. we can talk off mic about this yeah cause... but uh i i happen to really like this one there is only one problem, and unfortunately, it's kind of like the uh, the Uncanny Valley thing, where the closer you get to Stephen King perfection, the more glaring the flaws. And the flaw in this movie is, it has the most annoying character in horror movie history. 
And that says a lot because there's a whole lot of annoying characters, but that fucking woman, the Jesus freak woman, is so irritating. I, I Every single time she's on screen, I'm like, I know one of you, that little freako guy, he's got a gun. Just blow her head off. Please. Every time I think about the mist, I think about the Shermanator just getting fucking eaten by a giant bug. <laughs> <laughs> Movies are so cool, you guys. <laughs> And the guy from uh, Reno 911. What, what was the name of that movie? Brooklyn, Brooklyn 99. <laughs> Close yeah, enough, man. Yeah, same thing. Uh, he just doesn't believe them. It was like, okay, so you got some dried blood on the ground. He's like, you're trying to trick me into believing in aliens. <laughs> like, dude, you want to go out there? If I'm locked in a grocery store with William Sadler, I'm assuming I'm not making it through the day. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it, it was good. It was really good. I think I, I'm not going to make a top ten Stephen King list off the top of my head, but uh, the mist probably belongs in there. It was it was very very well done, and this is also one of the scariest horror movies that I ever watched. And not just for like the same sort of effect where you get from the thing where you talk about uh, the lack of trust that humans have in each other, and uh, when society breaks down, that that's a possibility. It's when that guy is like pinned to the wall with all that. Uh, that bug juice guts all over him. He's got like the bugs swimming around in his stomach. He can like see them. It reminded me of the scarabs from the mummy. And that freaked me out. So like some of my friends, and I'll get to this a little bit later. Some of my friends say, hey, I when it comes to horror movies, I don't do demon possession stuff. That's just too scary for me. I never really understood it because I don't think that's scary. But like stuff crawling around your body, you can like see the bumps and everything. That scares the shit out of me. I think that's a lot scarier. But what if the clown turned into a giant? Thing. <laughs> you ever think about that what if the mist went away because they called it ugly and a loser okay well <laughs> turning to the lighter side now parker i have a question for you what uh-huh. if a man dressed up as a lady now we're talking, now we're talking. <laughs> is this on the list too <laughs> No, this is something. <laughs> no, uh, this is something that uh, Alex assigned me. This is called "And Now for Something Completely Different." Oh, that's right, you did do. That. I went to London to try to get the Jacksonville Jaguars to move over there, and I was treated to a lovely movie at the cinema. Uh, this is the first Monty Python movie. Um, it was originally made. They they had their show, uh, Monty Python's Flying Circus, on television, and. Only a few Americans knew about it, and they were like, wow, this is really good. Let's see if we can uh, get this to play in the States. So I think it was like one of the editors from Playboy magazine decided he'd put up 80,000 pounds of his money, and uh, he would he would use that to uh, have them make a film, and then he would release it in the United States. Now, there's two problems here. One, 80,000 pounds is not a very high budget for a movie, so... Their television show in Britain had better special effects than this movie. Uh, Also, there is no laugh track. Monty Python really needs a laugh track for some of these skits. Uh, (laughs) I can't imagine the idea of something that's supposed to be funny needing to tell you when to laugh. That's so cool. It's Well, that's the thing. is I I don't know if that's necessarily... I mean... uh, I, I usually don't like laugh tracks in shows. I think the only one that comes to mind is uh, Married with Children. But I can understand why they're there. They sort of clue you into uh, where the beats are and everything. But put it like this. I, I do kind of like Monty Python uh, and their flying circus or whatever. And I remember some of their skits that were pretty good. A, a good example here is 
the self-defense against fruit thing, where uh, some guy's going to attack you with a banana and how you defend yourself against a banana. It's kind of funny. I've seen that skit a couple times, and John Cleese is great in it. They do the exact same skit here, but there's no laugh track. And the effect is it's actually kind of creepy. You're watching it. It's not even that you don't know when to laugh. It's more like, what are they doing? Why is he taking this so seriously? Stop yelling, John Cleese. Uh, there's still some funny parts, not hysterically funny parts, but uh, overall, it doesn't really work that well. That being said, consider comedy in 1971. What was the funniest movie released in 1971? I don't know if there was a funny movie at all released in 1971, so I will give the Pythons credit for, uh, I guess, inventing humor. You want to hear my story about this movie, Chris? Yeah, let's hear it. I'm surprised I watched you watched the, it at all. I watched this when I was a freshman in high school, and when I got home and told my parents, they gave me the weed talk. <laughs> <laughs> Did they do Yoda voices? <laughs> no, they, they were just like the, the only people that watch Monty Python when we were kids were fucking burnouts, so now we have to talk to you about weed. <laughs> really stuck on the idea of Monty Python, but with the married with children crowd. And it's really <laughs> doing a number on me. <laughs> Just hooting and hollering like Kelly just walked in every time a guy's in a dress. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, there is a Fuck. lot of men dressed as women in this movie. What a surprise! Uh, th- there were a couple parts that I did laugh at, but overall, um, I think maybe their later movies are uh, just a bit better. Um, now, Alex, remind me, you hated Jacob's Ladder, right? I have never seen Jacob's Ladder. Okay, I think I'm thinking of something else that you hated. Um, I hate a lot of things, so that's fair. Yeah. Uh, I watched Jacob's Ladder, um, which is apparently one of the inspirations behind uh, the original Silent Hill series. And I can see it in a couple places. That movie does not do very much for me. Uh, Parker, have you seen Jacob's Ladder? It's so hard to separate because I've seen everything that inspired for like the last 20 years afterwards. It's like, oh, this is right. Patient Zero. It's hard to go back to the beginning when you... like. You can guess 20 minutes in, like, oh, yeah, I know what the end of this is. And at the time, like, oh, my God, this is insane. Like, Yeah, of course. Of course it's what it is. Yeah, uh, Jacob's Ladder is kind (laughs) of... Jacob's Ladder is one of those rare... uh, Fuck off. Jacob's Ladder is one of those uh, rare movies where it's a horror movie that is actually about something. There is a purpose to the story being told. And it's kind of nice to see that every once in a while. Unfortunately, it's also kind of boring. The basic premise is uh, Tim Robbins served in Vietnam, and now he's got brainworms as a result, and he's seeing things. Uh, the real movie, the real reason to watch this movie is Elizabeth Peña is in this, and she is in the slideshow. There's a non-zero chance someone heard you say that, and their first thought was Tim Allen serving in Vietnam. Imagine he's jungle to jungle. <laughs> he steps on a he steps on a landmine. Oh no! <laughs> he, he volunteered to go get the treasures from the Viet Cong. <laughs> <laughs> treasures untold, Al. I have to go. <laughs> Hey, you know, all their booby traps are gone. You think this might be a trap? Oh, no, they're all the pyramid. (laughs) That'll be my intrusive (laughs) thought for the day. Fantastic. All right, and now the one where everyone gets to make fun of me. Um, I watched a movie called The Oscar. Oh, boy. Um, 
This one was released in 1966. Have either of you heard of this movie called The Oscar? No. Okay. Okay. This is allegedly one of the worst movies ever made in the sense of like Troll 2, The Room. That's sort of like cheesy bad movies. A good bad movie. It's fun to riff on with a bunch of your friends. What? Um, Now, the reason I watch this is not for that. Um, I've been actually avoiding this movie for a long time. This is the only produced screenplay from my favorite author, Harlan Ellison. Um, and it's it's legendarily bad. And you're like, oh, no wonder you didn't watch it. You don't want to see his bad screenplay. But I like his writing so much. What could possibly go wrong? Maybe someone messed with his screenplay. Oh, no. Those are his words. I can tell. <laughs> and uh, as it turns out, there's a reason this is his only produced screenplay. If Harlan Ellison has any weaknesses, and he has a mountain of them, it's that he cannot write people talking in anything other than his own voice. So you have some very bizarre lines. But to be fair, Harlan Ellison's words are not the main problem here. They are just one of very, very many problems. Uh, the acting's one. Stephen Boyd is in this, and... We talk a lot about face acting, like Anna Taylor-Joy in The Queen's Gambit has some great face acting. Well, what about hand acting? What about uh, hand gestures and acting with your hands? Well, <laughs> Stephen Boyd in this movie. <laughs> Parker. <is laughs> Parker, are you also thinking about the hand model in Zoolander right now? It's going between that and my Boyd teams. It's a real <laughs> curse morning for me. <laughs> I did not sleep well. <laughs> So Stephen Boyd is Mr. Hands in this movie. Uh, We also have... (laughs) We also have uh, Tony Curtis, who was a professional singer. Not a professional actor. This is his only acting credit. And uh, you can see why. This dude cannot act. He should not have been in this movie. Uh, This movie was actually nominated for two Academy Awards of its own. uh, One for Best Costume Design. Edith Head is literally in the movie doing nothing and uh one for best production design i don't know how this one best how it didn't win best production it got nominated i don't know how this got nominated for best production design there is they go into so like i don't know if it's a club a restaurant something like that everything is green it's there's so much green on screen i can't look at it there's another this girl uh this might be an esoteric reference parker you remember track of the moon beast that one blonde girl she's like moon rocks oh wow and she saves johnny longbone or whatever and uh, she brings him back to his, to her apartment, and she's wearing this really, really pink outfit. And they're like, oh, look, it's pink day. There is an apartment in this movie that is so full of pink that the color starts to wash out. Best production you, design. You just took me on <laughs> such a long journey with that reference. I'm Sorry. Sit down for a second. <laughs> uh, the basic idea here is uh, Stephen Boyd is an actor, and he tried really hard to uh, win an Oscar nomination. He gets a nomination, but spoilers for the end of it. No one's going to watch this anyway. Uh, he doesn't win because it turns out he was a real jerk to everyone, and the Hollywood crowd learned about it. And look, he lost all his friends, and he gained nothing from it. Uh, and it sucks, and it's lame, and the good news is it's actually really easy to make fun of. Um, I, I watched uh, a director's commentary where it didn't have the director, but it had three people kind of riffing on it the entire way through. That was actually really funny. It was uh, really useful, and I would recommend that. Uh, it's funny because like, I feel that if we had this podcast back in the 1960s, this would have been maybe the inaugural episode. Uh, or then we would have done some other 60s lousy movies or something. A lot of racism, probably. Yeah. Not oh, yeah. enough. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I watched Session 9 and also Paranormal Activity. So let's talk about Paranormal Activity. Oh, I like Session 9. That's disappointing, but okay. I I had nothing to say about Session 9. Sorry. That's fine. I have very Uh, middling luck with that movie with people. The only thing I have to say about Session 9 is it was nice to see... Oh, so that's where that gif comes from. It sure does. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, Paranormal Activity. Now, that's another one where I think it's important to talk about the advertising. I remember all the trailers didn't show the movie, but it showed the audience watching the movie. And all the girls getting really scared and leaning on their boyfriends. You know? Like, oh no! They're in bed and the door closed. Because, uh... Uh, that was a state of horror back in 2007, I guess. Look, um, we were we were just ruling after like Saw Five. Okay, like <laughs> we had to do something. Yeah, <clears throat> it was a horror was in a bad spot in the mainstream in 2007. Yeah, also because of Paranormal Activity. So Paranormal Activity is Alex. You've seen this movie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. This is about two very likable people, and they're living in a house, and. I guess, what, a year into their living there, they realize that it's haunted or something. And I guess the the ghost is following around the girl. Uh, but let's talk about our favorite character, Mika. Parker. This dude <laughs> sucks so fucking bad. <laughs> Look, I'm not a very spiritual person at all. But if I was like, hey, something fucked up is happening, whatever you do, do not bring a Ouija board into this house. And they brought a fucking Ouija board into that house. I'm moving out the next day. Get out of my face. I really do have to wonder, how much do you think the Hasbro company makes whenever someone brings a Ouija board into a house in a horror movie? Oh my god, they gotta make so much money. What a good That's That's gotta be a big seller for them in some way. Uh, You think they got paid to to wallpaper the entire Ouija house, Parker? (laughs) (laughs) That big reveal, they're like... I guess I'll have to watch it. You can watch the sequel. Anyway, um, there's multiple moments where Mika is told repeatedly, please just turn off the fucking camera. Now, I'll say this for the movie, that it's kind of like a lot of other horror movies where there are certain moments where like, okay, they can't just do this entirely reasonable and rational and logical thing because then you don't have a movie. If he turns off the video camera, then the movie's 45 minutes long. And I I didn't pay for that. And you and you can't uh, you can't just turn on all the lights in the house because then you can see everything and it's not scary anymore and I didn't pay money for that. But Parker, a question for you: Why not just close the door? I'm pretty sure a ghost can open a door, but uh, also yes, I would. That was like that's the first thing I would door and window locked. I would have all the blinds pulled down and it'd be under my blankie. Yeah, just, just, but also just, like yeah. the day when you wake up and there's footprints in the fucking sugar you left down. Like, okay, well we're moving or I'm killing myself. So yeah, that's another one. Yeah. Out. When she gets dragged out of the bed, you know, and into another room, my first thought is, why are you going back to bed? I understand you're tired. Go to a hotel. <laughs> I, there's no world where I'm that tired, <laughs> man. Like, that was pretty fucked up. Well. I gotta be up early. My job is the racism <laughs> factor. So, uh. Just uh, just, just had the uh, movie idea lightning bolt go off of a horror movie where they actually turn off the camera in the last 20 minutes of just Grizzly Man. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. What, what has happened is so horrible, I cannot let you watch it. So the husband... Oh, fuck, you're right. This there. is just Lovecraft. 
Damn it. <laughs> thought I was onto something here. Werner Herzog describe, and then the body flies at the camera. It's so <laughs> horrifying. You can't that see That was guys. the worst fucking payoff in a movie. I kept waiting. It was like, what is a scene where all the girls are grabbing their boyfriends over? Oh, because he, she threw his body at the camera. Correct. That's it? That's all you got for me? That sucks. Uh, what else sucks about this movie? Uh, every single time that he takes that camera out, he must have paid a lot of money because he loves that camera more than he loves his wife, fiance, he whatever. He fucking hates her so much. <laughs> She's like pleading like, something horrible is happening. I think it's for my childhood. Please, God, just stop. He's like, hey, babe. Hey, you want to do it on camera? <laughs> He's so fucking cool. Hey, honey, I know you had a really rough night being dragged out of the house by an unseen demon. But I took the audio of that meeting and I played it backwards. It sounds like someone saying they're going to come and attack you in your sleep. <laughs> what could this like mean? Saying, kiss me, kiss me. <laughs> <laughs> Smart ass motherfucker. Um, anyway, it's, you know what's kind of weird to me about this movie is they have two spare bedrooms. For whom? No one wants to nice. visit them. <laughs> truly one of the most hateable people I've seen in a horror movie in a long time. And that says a whole lot. That dude fucking uh, sucks so bad. Now, one of the things when I watch a lousy movie that sucks and no one likes is I usually try to find one single thing that I can sort of latch onto as like a positive or uh, so bad it's good sort of thing. And this one I did find a major positive. There was one actually very scary moment for me. And that was when they bring in that, uh, not necessarily an exorcist, but that spiritual advisor or something like that. And it was the second time uh, that they meet him, and the first thing he says is like, "Oh wow, oh this is power. I I actually have to leave. I I'm going to go. I I can't stay in here a second longer. Uh, you probably shouldn't stay here either. So I'm going to go." I, I was like, so "In any other movie, they would have played it two ways. They would have had him perform uh, a botched exorcism, or they would have had him as some sort of grifter." And in this one, for him to immediately destroy the grifter thing by saying, "Oh, this is I I'm not even going to take your money. This is too much for me. Uh, call someone else." And for him to be like, yeah, I'm not even going to try. I can't do this. This is too powerful. Why are you still staying here, you fucking idiots? And just leaving. I'd like that. one foot in the house and goes, no. Actually, no. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> you should probably leave, like, right now. That that but, was really good. It's, that's a really good idea. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, we already know that there's something fucked up about the house. We saw that Ouija board. Um, which That Ouija board catching on fire is really silly. Yeah, that was... He, it's going so fast <laughs> that it got on fire. Like, I understand um, he made it for $10,000, but that's still really silly. Well, that was the thing, is a lot of people said that it was so great because it made a whole bunch of money. And it was f- filmed for about 5 bucks, and it made uh, 5 million bucks, so profit margin was really high. So now we have eight of these things. Um, Don't I fucking know it, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but let's get into other movies that I watched, such as Dawn of the Dead, the Zack Snyder one. Hey! As you described it, the only good Zack Snyder movie. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> yeah. Uh, forgetting about 300. Anyway, Dawn of the Dead was nope. pretty good. I had already seen this before. I'm going to cut out where you said nope. And, uh, <laughs> Dawn of... <laughs> I'd seen this one before, and the first time I watched it, I didn't like it very much. Uh, but on a rewatch, I like it a lot more, considerably more. Um, it's got good effects, it's got a good story, and it's, most importantly, so obviously better than the 1970s version. Like, what are we doing? I mean, I agree. I've yeah, never I mean, gotten the 70s one to click with me. The studio had that film for 30 years. It was done. It was done, and they wouldn't release it. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, Dawn of the Dead works very well. CGI very aliens. Hallelujah! He sucks so fucking bad. <laughs> All right, I guess I anything else. I was like a year-long moratorium, like. Look, I'm mean, gonna like his movies, but no one should have to go through that tragedy. And now at these trailers, I was like, nah, I should fuck this guy. This sucks. <laughs> dog shit. Uh, here's one that I, I guarantee you guys probably haven't heard of. Um, even though Alex is a Brian De Palma fan, uh, this is called Home Movies. This is uh, allegedly directed by Brian De Palma. I think that's a bit of a misnomer. Back in the late 70s, Brian De Palma was really experiencing a lot of critical success. He had just directed Carrie. Um, when was Blowout? Like 81. It was 81? All right, so this would be a little bit before uh, Blowout. He was teaching classes at, I don't know if it was a community college, but it might as well have been because I've never heard of this school. And they were like, okay, we're going to come up with a student movie in this class. He's like, okay, I'll help you go through. This is how you budget it. This is how you cast it. This is how you write it. This is how you get all the equipment and everything. This is how to make a movie. And they're like, could you help direct it? He's like, fine. And they're like, could you help us get Kirk Douglas for it? Fine. You know, and they shot this movie. It is almost entirely incomprehensible. Uh, the jokes, for the most part, don't make a whole lot of sense. You can tell that this is, uh, a lot of, a lot of people working on this. As they say, too many cooks in the kitchen. Uh, but there's a, there's a little bit of stuff you can take away from this. There are some bizarre lines, and for some reason my dad loved this movie. I think he is the only person who actually loved this movie. Um, if you're a Brian De Palma completionist... This one is like an exception. You don't actually have to watch this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you try to just steal valor from all the completionists out there. Yeah. <laughs> How dare you? Yeah, there, there are a few parts I kind of chuckled at, but for the most part, it, it doesn't make a tremendous amount of sense. Now, Parker, I finally watched Black Sabbath. Um, did you watch the American version? Uh, I did the second time because I didn't feel like reading it. I hate the order they put it all in, though. Right. You have to watch the Italian version. I watched the Italian one a while ago, and then I watched the American one. How do you put the best segment in the front? I'm like, all right, it's all downhill from here. Good job. Yeah. What did they do? Did they put the telephone one at the end? Oh, fuck. I don't remember. I don't remember. Uh, What's the middle one? The middle one's the the vampire one with with, uh, Boris Karloff. I think that's the last one, which is not a strong ending at all. Yeah, that's actually... That it's actually incredible. Sucks. It just kind of peters out after the first segment. You're like, all right, I guess all right, I guess. Those like Italians the, are crazy, and then you never think about it again. Like the drop of water, that's that's one that's good enough to be in Tales from the Crypt. It's that's so got a creepy weird. face and everything. That's got a, a narrative that sticks with you. Uh, but mostly, I want to talk about the end of this movie and how it's the most heartwarming thing I've ever seen in a movie. Uh, do you remember at the end of this movie, Parker? Where he's sitting on that horse, that fake horse, and he's like, uh, be sure when you go home from the movies tonight that you look carefully at those around you, because there might be a vampire next to you. Ooh. And then the camera pulls back, and you see the set. You see the camera, you see the boom mic guy, you see he's riding this fake horse, you see the people who are moving like trees and stuff to make it look like he's in the background, and it's just Boris Karloff going, yeah, 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 on this fake horse. I actually totally and forgot. I love that. It is worth watching just for that little scene. I was just like, oh, that is so nice. Uh, let's see, did I watch anything else? Yeah, I should totally forgot about that, but I enjoyed that movie. Well, I that, that is really watch good. it in the correct order. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, in the correct order. It's fun to be a purist asshole sometimes to go, actually, the original version's far superior. (laughs) (laughs) And I also rewatched Ju-On the Grudge, which sucks. Alex, what did you watch? (laughs) Hey, do you guys want some more late-breaking news that's relevant to our interests? What did Belichick say this time? New York Giants coaches Joe Judge and Mark Colombo got into a fist fight. Punch is thrown. I'm told Colombo got the better of him, and Judge fired him instantly. <laughs> Our good friend Mark Colombo punched another coach and got fired. We need to start recording at noon more often. This is, this is incredible. This is so good. <laughs> All right, got a got a couple movie films to talk about here. I'll start with the one real movie I watched this week. So uh, I had never seen The Abyss, and I was scrolling through. I'm like, hey, you know what? Let's give this a shot. Like James Cameron's usually pretty good at this directing thing. And, yep, I watched a James Cameron movie. It had some absolutely incredible camera work that made me repeatedly go, like, wait, how the fuck did you do that? Like, that entire opening sequence with the submarine sinking, there are just some shots in there that I still don't know how he did. Mm-hmm. And it's like, fuck yeah, we're gonna be on the bottom of the sea, there's gonna be aliens, there's gonna be lots of cool shit. And then it's just, oh, I love you, oh, but not that much, uh, uh, for like <laughs> an hour and a half. Like, dude, come on. His brain is so strong, dude. Yeah. Like, does he, like, does he, like, want to stop making movies so he can write, like, young adult romance novels or something? Like, how is this every movie he does? I don't get it. Some people show up just for that. I mean, like, it's not like I didn't enjoy the movie, because, like, the movie's good. But I just could not give any less of a shit about these scientists. And we just keep talking. It's like, oh, man, I'm so mad at you because you care about science more than me. It's like, oh, yeah, well, I care about science a lot. Like, cool, man, that's your whole character? That's what we're doing here? All right. But, uh, yeah, no. I, I, I think that this is the kind of movie that, like, if I were seeing this for the first time when I was, like, 15, I would be like, yo, that's, like, one of the coolest movies I've ever seen. But I've seen this movie a hundred times before. It's every, like, blockbuster disaster movie. They're all the same. And it's just... I want one of them to be at least a little bit different. You know, like Geostorm. Man, if that's the one real movie you've seen, I'm very excited now. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) So, uh, Parker referred a movie in my direction early in the week called Trespass. Oh, man, I didn't get to it. Tell me. Let me me give you the cliff notes on Trespass. So this, this uh, was filmed in 1992 by director Walter Hill. And the plot is <laughs> Bill Paxton and his fireman friend are, like, fighting a fire. And they come across this dude in the flames. And he's like, here, here, take this map. It's got all the treasure on it. And then he just runs into the fire to combust. So they're like, well, I guess we got to go get this treasure. So they go to this derelict building in East St. Louis where they bully the homeless man that lives there as they dig for gold. And then Ice T and Ice Cube show up with their gang. I'm so upset I didn't make time for this, dude. You have no idea. <laughs> Sounds good. I cannot believe that Walter Hill did a reimagining of the treasure of the Sierra Madre in East St. Louis, but I'm so happy it exists. Like, because, like, it's a stupid fucking movie that's extremely competently made. And also. Ice T is just wearing a fedora the whole time. Oh god damn it, I'm so angry. <laughs> it is so much fucking fun. Like 
Because the whole fucking thing is, like, they're trapped in this building, and they have this, this like, homeless guy hostage. Who, like, you know, he finds out about the gold, and then he's working with them. And then they, they take Ice-T's brother, who is, like, disabled or something, hostage, because they see Ice-T do a gang murder. And, and they're like, oh, we're coming in there to get you. No, you're not. Blah, 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 blah. And, like, it's just a fucking standoff for, like, an hour and a half, and yet it's still watchable. Like, it's... I had a good time with this. I really did. Like, you already know from me telling you that both Ice-T and Ice Cube are in it, whether this movie's for you or not. And, uh, I mean, you know who you are. It's fine. I saw that pop up somewhere. I was like, I'm going to message Alex immediately, because either he's seen this or he's going to want to see it. Correct. Oh, yeah. That was well worth my time. I was quite happy with that. Now, uh, this next one. So the last time we left director Andre Bartkoviak, esteemed director of Cradle to the Grave, Romeo Must Die, <laughs> and other things, was a movie in which the funniest joke was Tom Arnold showing his dick to some Russian security guards. So let's, let's check out his new movie, Dead Reckoning, a movie that came out last week. What? Now when you click no. on it, the only line you see is, a thriller inspired by the Boston Marathon bombing in 2013. Oh, fuck yeah, buddy. So Never naturally, forget. naturally, oh, wow. I'm hitting play immediately. We start with 70-year-old James Remar investigating <laughs> terrorism. Big week for James Remar. It really yeah. is. <laughs> and in case you're wondering, yes, he still sounds like that, but old. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, this movie takes place on Nantucket. We have a little teenage love story between uh, the guy that plays Archie on Riverdale and some girl that I've never heard of. Uh, he is an Albanian immigrant that drives for a taxi company, and she had her parents die in a plane crash while on video call with her. <laughs> so naturally, like, they're a match made in heaven. You're watching this movie, and it's just like teenage love story her aunt's taking care of her now james remar's off doing crime things for fuck knows why and you're like what the fuck does this have to do with the marathon bombings <laughs> so then our male lead's brother shows up his big albanian scary brother cruises into town in a boat with a chest with five million dollars in it and it's scott atkins and he's just doing an Albanian accent the whole time. <laughs> what? <laughs> I have to call in sick today. I have played now. <laughs> this is a Hall of Fame bad accent. Oh my god. So apparently, when this movie says it is inspired by the Boston Marathon bombing, literally the only part they took is that <laughs> this guy's brother is a terrorist and gets him to do terrorism with him. That's the only relation. There are there are multiple fistfights and stabbings. If you want to see James Remar get the shit kicked out of him by Scott Atkins, this is the movie for you. Oh my god. You Imagine know. Scott Atkins be like, brother, we must set off bomb. You're like, okay. I mean, if I say no, he's going to spin kick me to death. I guess we're doing it. <laughs> what do you have to say for yourself? Fucking look at him, man. One of the, one of the scenes where you know the the brother is being warmed up to do terrorism. He shows up at the houseboat, and Scott Adkins is just banging a prostitute, who he then tells to get out. And she's like, "Can I have a minute to get dressed?" And he goes, "Well, you clearly don't respect yourself, so I'm not going to respect you either." And throws her out of the boat naked. 
dudes rock. <laughs> How come you didn't do an Albanian accent? Like, <laughs> this movie sucks so fucking much. But, like, if you're listening to this and it appeals to you, you know who you are. Again. <laughs> One last note on this, because this just came out last week, so, you know, we don't have all of the usual IMDb user content that's there. This is what is listed under the plot keyword section. Bombing. Woman swimming nude. Female full rear nudity. Female full frontal nudity. Large breasts. Just make that the cold open. <laughs> this movie is so fucking cool, you guys. I don't know why Scott Atkins is an Albanian terrorist. But you know what, man? You get them checks. You get them however they come. We need someone to match the raw physicality of James Remar at the age of 75. <laughs> we need a fucking killer in the streets. It is so good. And last, but certainly not least, uh, our good friend Roger Goodell had me uh, take a trip down to Jacksonville to see what the deal was in Florida. And I watched a movie called Invasion USA. So, oh, so jealous. I knew nothing about this movie, except that I found it while Googling, and Chuck Norris was in it. So when I started out, and we're just with a boat full of Cuban uh, Cuban refugees, and some Russians disguised as Americans roll up and just gun them all down as the Canon Films logo pops up, <laughs> I knew that I was in for a treat. You guys, there are so many bazookas in this movie. Fuck. There are so many bazookas. There's a fucking such a good week. God damn it. There's a fucking scene where Chuck Norris is interrogating one of the terrorist henchmen who he has like pinned in this room with a knife through his hand. And then like the guy keeps trying to take his other hand to take the knife out. So Chuck Norris pulls the pin out of a grenade and puts it in the guy's other hand. <laughs> Just like you hold on to this while I talk to you. <laughs> there like Apparently, the Russians' evil plot in this movie is to just dress up like cops and soldiers and go around murdering minorities to start a race war. Because, uh, okay, sure. You guys definitely had to do that. Um, there's a fucking scene that takes place at, like, a mall at Christmas time where this dude, this Russian dude who looks like Har 5 tries to leave a package behind <laughs> and a dude is, like, chasing after him with mall security going, Sir! Sir! You forgot your package! As he runs away from the bomb, which is an incredible <laughs> bit. <laughs> and by the way, that's the only, like, even remotely relevant to Christmas scene in the entire movie. They just wanted to have a fucking Nissan drive through a Christmas village in a mall. Like, I there's, miss Cannon so much, dude. Every day of my life. There's a tank for some reason. Like, there's an entire sequence where Chuck Norris has to chase down a school bus with a bomb strapped to the side of it while the little kids sing Row, Row, Row Your Boat for, like, three minutes straight. <laughs> no cocaine has ever hit harder than 80s Cannon cocaine. They were capable dude, of so much. Dude, speaking of cocaine... <laughs> the first non-Cuban kill in this movie is the bad guy slamming a lady's head down while she's snorting a mountain of coke. It's so good. <laughs> so anyway, Invasion USA, five stars. I fucking pull it up. I see the runtime's almost an hour 50. I'm like, how in the fuck? And now I know that it's just because they added an extra 35 minutes of car explosions solely for me. <laughs> Canon fucking rules, dude. So much. <laughs> it's so fucking good. 
anyway, Parker, what did you watch? <laughs> so jealous of your week, dude. <laughs> it was incredible. Well, let's start with the non-pyramid films. <laughs> My week started with <laughs> Russell Mulcahy's friend of the show, Razorback, <laughs> in which they go into the Australian Outback and try and fight this giant man-eating boar. It is exactly what you think it is. <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> Everything <laughs> is so fucking grimy and disgusting. The cold open of this movie is just this old dude with his grandson, I think. This little, little kid, like a toddler. And this fucking Hong Kong just runs through the house like the Kool-Aid man, like leaving holes in all of the walls. And the kid's just fucking gone. So everyone in town's like, well, clearly this old man killed this kid, but we don't have any proof of it, so he's just this outcast. Some goddamn hotshot American reporter flies over to Australia to report on animal cruelty or some shit, I don't know. And uh, she, of course, runs amok with the locals. They don't like her. They take her out into the outback to do, you know, things you do in gross 70s horror movies. But then the boar kills him. You're like, oh, man, she she made it through. And then the boar just fucking eats her anyway. <laughs> so the rest of this movie is just this old man and her husband going to the outback trying to kill this big fucking pig. It's this real is why killing. we need the Second Amendment. Exactly. And also, like, it's fucking gorgeous. It's a beautiful movie. It's beautiful so boar movie. It's so has so many gorgeous shots, and then you see this giant fake pig head eating people. It's <laughs> real good. All it's right. what you Rate want. this down. Yeah, go ahead and just throw that in the rotation. Yeah. So Alex, you inspired me, and I did in fact watch Bad Hair like I promised I would. Yeah. And I did in fact stand up, point at the TV, and yell, "What the fuck is that, Usher?" <laughs> it was. And I was so happy. Hey, <laughs> faculty it's, alumnus. Oh, exactly. It's a little slow to get started, but once it gets going, I was very into it. Oh, yeah. And it does a very good job of just setting the period. Like, just seeing all of the clothes. Because I'm used to watching different 80s movies that are meant for my stupid face. (laughs) So seeing, like, the whole different culture and really just going hog wild with it. I got hogs on the brain now. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's really fucking good. And kind of wish I wasn't eating at some points because... A lot of hair going into orifices I did not care for while I was eating, mm-hmm. but that's that's on me. I made that choice. I knew what I was getting into. It's very good, and I'm just so used to being burned by streaming horror movies. Correct. It was nice to like enjoy one for once. Let's see the last non-pyramid film. <laughs> <laughs> so going through the list, uh, last week, girl and I watched Ed Wood because we'd been talking about Johnny Depp. I'm like, what's the Ninth Gate? Oh god! Johnny Depp on the cover. I should put this on. So I'm really digging it. I'm like halfway in. I'm like, this is pretty cool. Like, it's a bunch of people talking about old haunted books. Like, I could fuck with this forever. Just traveling to different European countries. This person has this book. Is this book written by the devil? Question mark. They every time they go to find a piece of it, he wakes up and everyone around him's just been brutally fucking murdered. I'm like, all right, I'm in. And then I look it up. Like. Oh, directed by Roman Polanski. That's why yep. no one talks about it. That's yep. an oopsies. <laughs> I really... Then Oops. I looked at the runtime. I'm like, well, I'm almost, I'm almost an hour in. Can't bail now. It's uh, really good. You know, say what you want about his politics. But... <laughs> no, that's real fucking good. I understand why no one brings it up, because fuck him, he's a monster. It's a real fucking good movie. 
You know, much like Interpol, I just don't get Roman Polanski. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I had more to say, but why, why, why stomp on that? Let's go into the sands of oblivion. <laughs> <laughs> now, when I googled this movie, hoping to find a download, and saw in the fucking opening, like where they do the oh this film, blah blah blah, I was like oh this movie debuted on the Sci-Fi Channel, and I just felt myself dying inside. <laughs> Don't you like that channel? They got movies. How do you make a pyramid look shitty on, in CGI? Like, it's it's a triangle. How do you make that look like shit? It is... Well, it's definitely not the worst movie I watched this week. <laughs> we'll get there. Let me, let me pull up the plot here. Because, Chris, you're a fan of classic movies, so you'll appreciate this. You better believe it. Oh, man. I meant to copy-paste this, but then I slept in late. Take your time. Maybe. Well... Chris, you're a big fan of the movie The Ten Commandments, right? Yes. You know, Cecil B. DeMille. And how, like, it's so weird. Like, why did he, why did they bury that whole set? That's so crazy. Could it be because there was a curse and he had to bury it to protect all of mankind from said curse? You are kidding me. <laughs> Would I joke about that? I'm so glad I didn't tell you this was the plot. <laughs> Do you this want is multiple the flashbacks to Cecil B. DeMille played by Dan Castellaneta doing a Futurama extra voice? <laughs> <laughs> big fan of it. the cold open in ancient Egypt showing a ritual and the big Egyptian guy doing it just looks like Goldust with the face paint on. It's real good. It's... Man. I'll give it one thing. For a lot of the movie, there's just a dumb, giant Anubis thing killing people, but it's an actual costume. And you know what? I'll take it. I will take a big, dumb costume walking up to someone and ripping their arms off. That's good to me, actually. Because when we get to the CGI Scorpions, <laughs> you will be begging for a giant, stupid Anubis costume. Is there a giant CGI Sand Snake? Absolutely there is. Are there multiple flashbacks to Dan Kesselnet as Cecil B. DeMille? <laughs> Talking like this. It's really good. Like, when I say Futurama character, I mean, like, when they're in, like, a big setting and there's, like, a fourth unnamed character in the background responding to Fry or Zoidberg. Like, it's... I don't know where he's pulling that from. I've never heard the man speak, nor have I watched any movie made before, like, 1970. But, uh... They ran out of money at the end, clearly, because they just turned into, ah, now this, the ancient cursed spirit of the pyramids has possessed this guy. <laughs> put a little bit of makeup on him, and now he's the bad guy. Ooh. And our climax, of course, is a dune buggy chase in the desert. Hell yeah. <laughs> they, they have this big fucking prolonged chase, and they get to the cursed pyramid. And, uh, man, the hieroglyphics come to life. And they fight these who framed Roger Rabbit looking motherfuckers. <laughs> it's there's a lot of ideas, which is more than I can say for many of the sci-fi channel movies I've seen in my life. Clearly not enough money to make any of it work, but like I can appreciate a wild swing of like, well, like a thousand people are gonna watch this because it's gonna debut on like a Saturday night and who's gonna be watching it? It's like, yeah, make the hieroglyphics pop off the walls and fight the guys. It's whatever. 
Sounds what really good. worked for me above all else was that I was watching this on IMDb TV, which has commercials, and most of the commercials were ads for BritBox, which is all British comedies. <laughs> so every 30 minutes, I would just see a montage of old British people in dresses. <laughs> just keeps happening. It's never ending. Much like Montezuma's Aztec Pyramid. <laughs> Here's the thing about Aztec Rex. It's unwatchably boring. You oh. cannot believe how fucking bad the CGI T-Rex looks. It is... You would believe it came out like 1974. It is the ugliest fucking thing. It looks horrendous. It looks like you could render something better on a fucking laptop. And everything that isn't a dinosaur is just... Guys, I didn't think this would be a period piece. I truly, <laughs> in my bones, thought this was like a cold open. Like, ah, here's the ancient ritual. But like, now we're going to come to present day. False. <laughs> we're all about 1521. The Spanish explorer played by the guy from Sharknado. <laughs> and we've just got Aztec villages and Spanish conquistadors. And we're just walking and talking to jungles, baby. And then we're walking, and then we're talking. And then the shittiest lava, lava girl, shark boy, T-Rex, comes in and eats someone. And then we're just walking and talking. And, you know, we're learning to coexist. You know, first they came to conquer, but, you know, the thing's unifying them. They all have to work together. He rips a lady's heart out, and the T-Rex eats it. It's horrendous. <laughs> it is unwatchable. I hate you so much. <laughs> I hate football. I hate not even Egypt anymore. Just the concept of a pyramid. I hate the geometric shape. Well, I'm glad you're back in on Egypt. I yeah. Hate, yeah, Egypt, you know, you're doing great. Stock up. Uh, Aztec, step it up. Can't, it can't wait to hear how you feel about Libya. <sighs> well, uh, my comments have been taken out of context previously. We uh, can ask Bill Belichick. <laughs> With extreme prejudice. <laughs> ah, that's really it for me. I had a really slow week and I had to make sure I crammed in the, my pyramid films. Would have much yeah. rather watch 13 hours, but uh, sometimes you gotta hang out at Montezuma's pyramid. <laughs> okay, um, in that case, let's talk about The Phantom. Okay, so the movie for some reason begins with the words for those who came in late um i was kind of fucking with it i just all right maybe i'm just stupid but uh i assumed it was a comic book reference to whatever the lore is for the phantom which yeah from the 20s if i know but i just look at him like oh yeah this is clearly like a movie serial thing got it like look at that fucking character i there's no way that's not a fucking 1940s movie serial yeah, I guess so. I just so, assumed but... it was like some Flash Gordon shit. I was like, okay, fine. Yeah, yeah. Give me his entire backstory in thirty seconds. I'm, I'm with it. Thank you. Th- that, yeah, that's fine. But I, I couldn't make a bright wielding a wand joke. So that is. I mean, you always can for your loss. That's you just gotta try yeah. harder. Do you think Annie Wilkes watched this? It was like, no, that's not what happened in the previous segment. <laughs> they were Chinese last time. <laughs> Fuck it. You think I'm stupid? Take me for a fool, dude. <laughs> So, uh, a neat thing about this is the writer of this movie was the writer of Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Boy, does it show. Uh, 
Yeah, it turns out he just writes the same movie over and over again and uh, sees if he can get away with it. I respect it. He did it. not. It's funny, because I'd never heard of this director and I looked after this. He made like five or six of the young Indiana Jones. I'm like, yeah, that's probably good. Yeah, it makes sense, yeah. yeah. Look, I can do it on the cheap and in nice jungles. Give money. Yeah. Give me money needing a lot. Well, anyway, uh, the basic story here is that there was Where a kid. Where do we start with this movie? It's, I, <laughs> I have so many questions that I know there are no answers to. Like, well, for you who came in late, the story here is there's this little kid who uh, was on a boat, and then uh, the boat blew up because of a pirate, and then he gets washed up on <laughs> a native Albanian island. <laughs> the pirate's Albanian brother. The pirate's Albanian brother. And they, wa- they wash up on uh, a Jungle Island, and Tim Allen is there. And all of the uh, natives are like, hey, we have this ring of great significance. Anyone want it? No one, no one wants a ring of great significance. Hey, wash up white kid. Hey, Look, how about if this? Every Batman movie started like this. I'd be in a much better mood. Casey missed it last time. This little boy went to the theater and his parents died. Now he's a bat. I'm like, thank you. Yeah, I don't need forty-five <laughs> minutes of this. You're correct. Well, uh, anyway, they give this little kid uh, a ring of great significance, and it doesn't necessarily transform him into a superhero, but uh, I guess it. Gives him the confidence to do so yeah. later. Like, like to, to be clear here, he has zero powers, right? Correct. Okay, Correct. but he has guns. All right. I mean, this is this is a very 1920s sort of movie here. Get this where, movie uh, the ideas. <laughs> this movie feels ancient, like every. Yes. But like some of it feels intentional, like the way some of it's shot with the effects and stuff. It's very old Hollywood. Yes, yes, that's absolutely what they're going for. Uh, the question is how much of it works. And I would say most of it isn't. I just, I I can't get over those jungle natives are giving this little white kid the ring of great significance. Like, no one's going to fight to earn this. First thing I do, I see that kid wash up on the shores is I'm tossing him in a volcano like he dishonored the the Mishima Zaibatsu. I'm going to feed him to Um, the (laughs) T-Rex. Exactly. You just have to keep remembering, oh, this is based on like a comic from like the 30s and 40s. So, of course, they'd be thinking like, yeah, and if a white person showed up, these all these savages would view me as a god and give me their magic ring. Of course they Exactly. Would. I can teach them about electricity and disco. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, we cut like, to... What a weird concept to be like, all right, we're going to make a comic book movie. Oh, is it for kids? No, no one under 45 will have ever heard of it. It's going to make <laughs> so much money. See, that's the weird thing is uh, this came out in 96, I believe, and... This is when a lot of people in Hollywood were remaking older properties. Uh, the Flintstones had just come out a year prior, I believe. And that's when it was like, oh, your parents really liked watching this. Let's well, it's go a good thing we stopped doing that. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. No more Scooby-Doo movies, right, Parker? Like, anyway. Oh, so, <laughs> like, like the aforementioned The Shadow, Dick Tracy, and The Rocketeer had all come out. And they all ate shit. Because no kids cared about any of them. And they're like... Yeah, but this Billy Zane guy's got something. Let's get him. <laughs> Look, when I saw that costume, I was immediately in. I was like, You're right, I don't know yeah. what this movie's doing, but like, I'm in for playing this vibe deadly serious. <laughs> so uh, we cut back and we cut forward an unspecified number of years, and two bad guy treasure hunters are uh, taking this little kid in a truck ride. And uh, I just want to talk about the part where the little kid has to drive the truck across the uh, bridge. Usually those trucks are manual transmission. It's a good thing that thing's not in manual. I, between between that and the scene where the little kid almost gets elbowed in the face by James Remar and has to duck, 
And it's like a fucking Three Stooges gag of child violence. I was here for it. That kid did a pretty good job. That kid's one of the better parts of the movie. Low bar to clear. He's afraid of the ghost who mocks. So, uh, which they keep calling him. We're gonna get to that. Uh, so they walk inside this ancient tomb. and They're looking to plunder, I guess, Hannibal Lecter's secret stash. Because there's a whole bunch of skulls everywhere. And they're looking for the correct skull in Skull City here. Parker, I'm going to let you do it. Look, as soon as we saw the skulls, I just immediately wrote down like, oh, thank God, we got an episode. Don't worry about it. No matter what this movie looks like, we're going to be fine. I'm going to do my best to not talk about phrenology or skull sizes or crime rates. I'm going to be a good boy. I will note that I wrote down Benghazi Jungle three different times. Same. It sounds also exactly same. Like it. <laughs> it's cool he didn't bring out like calipers to just make sure he was getting the right skull. <laughs> you can see the frontal lobe on this one. Oh, it was science, actually. It's in textbooks. Yeah. So uh, they steal the skull and they make their hasty getaway. Bad news. They are pursued by the ghost who walks. And the first time we see the phantom... In that purple outfit, on that white horse, jumping over a log, I laughed so hard. I wrote down the words, Mob Avenger. <laughs> How can you not? <laughs> when he shows up looking like that, he's like, ah, oh, here's my sidekicks, my wolf and my horse. I'm like, you know... <laughs> I think I'm in. Yeah. I think I'm going to do this. Let's go, movie. Take Maybe the 1920s were actually good for some people. Uh, <laughs> Those Islanders probably weren't having a good time. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yeah, they didn't get to watch serials as often as we did. So uh, it's unquestionably the dumbest costume in superhero history. Parker, would you like to fact check me on that? No. That Thank seems you. like a self-fulfilling prophecy. What about, uh... No, this looks way dumber. Oh, cool, you should watch it. <laughs> what about the shoveler in Mystery Men? That's fair. Okay, I guess that. I will say that this one is dumber than the costume in Steel, so... Uh... Oh, I did make you watch that, didn't I? Yeah, thank you. Uh, still hasn't uh, gone away from my brain, so... This thrilling bridge escape sequence where the car is just... I don't know, magnetically tied to the tracks. It won't fucking drop into the ocean below... And he's, like, got to save the kid, and they're on a vine, and he shoots the vine so he can swing like Indiana Jones. That's all neat and stuff, but he's dressed in a giant purple condom, so kind of have trouble really getting in, getting into this scene. I'm so happy that they didn't be like, okay, so let's, like, retro it up. Like, Superman looks silly. Like, his underwear is on the outside. What? I'm like, no, just make it a giant, stupid purple onesie. <laughs> and really lean into it. Like, don't try and make it cool. It's fucking 1996. Can you imagine what the cool updated version of this is it's god oh, awful yeah. he's got a skateboard and everything uh, that sounds better. as earnestly as like no this is like the 1930s but just film today just be earnest about it i appreciated that i don't want to see the cool guy version of if, the phantom if they were being earnest about it they would have gone to africa not one of the pacific islands <sighs> he's gotta find that skull so bad <laughs> <laughs> like i don't want to see this movie but it's more like spawn i don't want that I don't want the Todd McFarlane version of the the Phantom. Oh, sorry, I can't stop thinking about Jim Varney as the Phantom. Let's talk about something <laughs> else as the Phantom. Billy Zane as the Phantom. Uh, now, first of all, I think the reason that they have the costume the, the way that it is is apparently Billy Zane was a huge fan of the original comic book. So uh, maybe Billy Zane's like an actual ghost who what? walks. Yeah, I was going to say, wow, he, he, he looks fucking twenties. He looks great for a hundred years old in this. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, he does look really good in general. I mean, goodness Billy gracious. Zane is an MF snack. It's, not, yeah. it's ridiculous. So that's you keep watching, we're like, wait a second. How is he just in Titanic like nothing else? What's going on here? It's a real what shame about wrong? that whole, you know, complete lack of charisma in this movie. Well, it's unfortunate. We'll save that for a different person. So anyway, uh, <laughs> he's researching the skull in his uh, secret cave, and he has a boy servant who keeps calling him Ghost Who Walks, so he's got a lot of similarities with Michael Jackson. Uh, anyway, he just happens wow. to find the right the right book about skulls, and he's like, oh, this is a skull of ancient power, and there are other ones that I have to collect. Sounds like a fucking Power Rangers skit. <laughs> rules let me just consult my book on skulls here oh yes if you put the three skulls together i only i genuinely cannot believe that this movie and the first tomb raider movie came up came out like five years apart like they feel like they're from different eras entirely <laughs> we got way too many skulls on this podcast i, don't know what's I, going on here. I mean they're very spooky are these the original skulls you know a skull is actually comprised yes. of thousands of micro skulls <laughs> So, uh, I actually got worried here because we cut to a boring 1930s sort of soiree, uh, and I was like, oh, geez, this sucks. But then enters the savior of the movie, Treat Williams. Chris, every other movie you watch is a 1930s soiree. What are you talking about? This is in color. This is garbage. I bet he doesn't even say Rosebud in this one. That was 1940s. So, anyway, uh... Treat Williams is in this, and here's what you got to do. In life, my advice to all of you, find something that you love as much as Treat Williams loves being in this movie. <laughs> this movie this movie convinced me that if for some reason J.K. Simmons says no to doing uh, J. Jonah Jameson again, that we have an adequate replacement. Exactly. Uh, he Treat Williams is doing three different Jim Carrey impressions at once in this movie. God, it is. It's the most Jim Carrey fucking performance. That's the, you hit the nail on the head with that. Yeah. I say this fully as a compliment. He saw that's the Phantom Alpha and went, "Oh, okay, got it. <laughs> I, I know. Okay, I know what we're doing." I don't mean like his performance sucks or it's too much, but no, he's like, "Okay, this is the movie we're making. Deal. Yeah. I'm the bad guy. Great. Give me this little mustache and just." Let me go to work. So at the soiree, I'm saying that word too much, there's a newspaper publisher uh, named Charles Foster Kane, and he's going to publish an expose on Treat Williams, whose character name is Xander Trax. I watched this immediately after waking up and tried so hard to figure out if Xander Trax was a palindrome before I realized I was an idiot. Me, right, yeah, me too, yeah. <laughs> Uh, he does say helpfully at the end of the movie that both uh, that his name both begins and ends with the letter X. He's never I don't know what that's worth. He just he just kind of says it. I guess it's for like the three year olds in the audience. That's such um, a forties comic book thing. Pepper Potts ass names, right? So uh, he, apparently, the newspaper publisher is going to publish an expose about him, and he may be right about this. But can you imagine a newspaper publisher holding a meeting with like his stockholders and his writers and editors and saying that like this Al Capone guy is on a search for supernatural skulls? <laughs> That's you how he's going to take over Chicago. You can just walk in a three-piece suit and say, yeah, we're going to the uncivilized tribal lands to find some skulls. And they're like, oh, hot dog, have fun. Three skidoo. So, <laughs> it's a better time. So speaking of just being able to do whatever you want, uh, Xander Drax kills the head of the library with a killer <laughs> microscope. 
what a cool fucking scene. <laughs> just, just all I can think as I'm watching him, like, oh no no, you got to do this with the microscope. Oh no no, just adjust the knob. Uh, it's just fucking. Just, okay, put your head to it. <laughs> fucking Kim Jong Il and Team America, just rid them more, rid them more. <laughs> When he snaps the glasses, wow, I guess we won't be needing these anymore. Click, and it plays the music. Dun 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 dun. <laughs> so silly. I, I really fuck with the vibe of this it's, movie. It's very stupid in like a uh, sometimes good way, but also like if we ever invent time machines and mind malfunctions and sends me back to the 30s, I am going to be pissed. But also. <laughs> And you can be in the middle of a boardroom having an argument and just throw a spear at someone <laughs> in front of a room full of people that are like, oh, damn, I guess we should go find those skulls, huh? So anyway, the newspaper publisher's daughter is like, I want to go to the Pacific Islands. So, okay, uh, you can go just to get her out of my hair. Unfortunately, the plane is besieged by international terrorist Catherine Zeta-Jones. Uh, I don't know if she has a character name in this movie. I don't so care. She can be on screen as much as she be- wants. Right, yeah, just Catherine Zeta-Jones. That's Doesn't just, matter if she hasn't made a good movie in 18 years. That's just, like, one of those things that, like, she's in stuff that I see so rarely. It's like, fuck, I forgot how hot she is. Right. Remember her and Zora? Anyway. What are we gonna <laughs> I wrote down, like, half of it. I was like, man, I should have watched Mask of Zora. Yeah, same. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, fucking the Phantom, who decides to, uh, he he does, like, the Batman thing. Parker, Batman's a superhero from the 1930s as well. Ooh, uh, he, is he a bat? Oh, Ben yeah, Affleck. He, bat who walks. Anyway, he decides he'll come in the window of his only human contact on the island, I guess. And he's like, why can't you just come in through the door? And he's like, oh, it's too obvious. Look at the way you are dressed. You don't get to say too obvious to anyone. I'm trying to be incognito. <laughs> Whatever you fucking say, dude. <laughs> So, yeah, Catherine Zeta-Jones uh, takes over their air skid plane or whatever. I don't know what it's fucking called. And uh, the, the girl, who's the girl? Diane. Diane is the name of uh, the lead actress. And she says to James Remar and Catherine Zeta-Jones, do you realize how many laws you've broken? Like, oh, <laughs> she's right. Didn't even think about that. <laughs> Gotta bring her back. But, sir, the discourse. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine thinking you could arrest a white man in 1931. Get the fuck out of here. Okay. He'll just accuse you of hysteria and they'll just fucking lobotomize you and you're done. That's a wrap. Oh, speaking of session, then. Anyway, uh, so, Parker, a scene just for you. Catherine Zeta-Jones takes off one of Diane's boots. Just to take <laughs> a gander at those big, stinky, huh? juicy sidewalk oh. slappers. It's a long, sweaty flight in there, huh? <laughs> Cramped in that cargo. And then, <laughs> then Billy's aid drops in and ruins the entire scene. Thank you. This little piggy went wee wee. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he frees her. Uh, it's implied that he's known her from a past life that we never got to see because we came in late to the movie. Um. And he's like, oh, don't worry, I'll, I'll save you. I prefer if I walk out first. And she's like, okay, fine. As soon as he walks outside, every single bad guy on the ship is just like, hey, a weird guy in purple. And they attack him. <laughs> we gotta be inconspicuous. Hey, what the fuck's that? <laughs> just immediately open fire. Look, I have like nothing, no association with the 30s at all. I don't care. But when I see a Tommy gun, I get excited. I don't know why. Yeah, I that's, really can't that's explain fair. it. 
Why? Uh, because of time splitters? I can't tell you. I, yeah. That, that's for right. me, it's less the Tommy gun and more the aggressively Italian henchman wearing fucking bowler hats. <laughs> that's, that's good. That, we'll also get to them. <laughs> yes, uh, we will. Uh, uh, we can't, it's supposed to be in the 30s, but we can't make it actually racist. Oh, don't choose Italian. Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Works like a charm. So the sneaking mission gets over gets overtaken here, thanks on account of Violet Snake. But don't worry, his wolf sidekick came with him. <laughs> Just fucks up all the bad guys. Like this is such a thing where it's like, okay, well clearly that's a remnant of the forties. We don't need to have a wolf sidekick in this movie. Like, no, we're gonna have an actual trained wolf just jump at people for no reason in this silly. <laughs> if he doesn't have a wolf sidekick, how's he supposed to learn sex? <laughs> I wonder how that guy's doing. I well, <laughs> I hope he doesn't live in Western Colorado. God damn! <laughs> Fuck. Any- <laughs> anyway, uh, they decided that they will escape from a biplane. This is not the biplane from Wonder Woman, so just get that thought out of your stupid, stupid brain. Uh, they escape to the island. And uh, they're flying, and the wolf is, uh, he goes onto the island, and he talks to the horse. (laughs) And he says to them, we have to catch up with our two friends in the biplane. So they overclock their nanites, and are somehow able to run fast enough to catch up with that biplane. My my first thought when the wolf talks to the horse is like, wow, this is the most old-timey comic book thing I've ever seen. And then I thought for like half a second more, and went, wait. What would that panel look like? Would they both just have blank speech bubbles? Like, I had so many questions. <laughs> I think it'd be like thought bubbles, and they would say, <laughs> and they're animal the tongue. needs us. Make haste. Uh, like when Garfield <laughs> talks to Odie. The Chinese like thermal, are coming. But, we okay. must make way through the forest. <laughs> the Chinese are coming. This is a different time. Put that at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> it was the 30s. Oh, they had- we've been talking about this week after week. The Chinese are coming, making railroads, having treasure. Enough's enough. Hiding the secret of the fourth skull. How much misinformation can we handle? You know, you bring up kind of a good point here, Alex, about the way that this movie looks and the way that it was made and, like, the atmosphere of what they're going for. In a way, if this movie had just been made better or if it had made a few different decisions, this could have worked for us the way that Batman and Robin works for us. Like, everyone hates that movie, but it kind of works when you understand what it's going for. It's it's kind of good. Capital G good, but, but still yeah. good. Uh, this movie, it's just kind of too lame. Yeah, I and will... I it's weird that I'm, like, I'm talking about Batman and Robin saying, no, no, this one's lame. But, no, like, you're, honestly, you're, you're, at it, you're 100% right, because this is, like, the scene where, like, I was like, eh, maybe this is good. With, like, the entire yeah. thing with the fucking biplane on, like, the intentionally shitty green screen. Like, yeah. I was like, okay, this works. You have my attention back, movie. Like, I don't know what was going on with that whole, like, sky terrorist Catherine Zeta-Jones thing, but whatever. Now we got a cool plane. It's got bullet holes in it, and they're just walking along the wing, and there's a horse. And, like, the background looks like fucking garbage, and it's on purpose. I'm like, okay, okay, let's see where we're going. And then other stuff happens. Yeah, well, before the other stuff happens... The scene was like, alright, let me just dismount off the plane onto this real horse's back. (laughs) It's so unnecessary. Yeah, I feel like this movie is like one or two tweaks away from being like, 
this isn't good, but I fuck with it heavily. Yeah, there there are definitely some changes that they could have made. I, honestly, I think one of the things that's too distracting is the number of similarities to Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like, every single time James Remar's in, I'm like, okay, I get it. Um, it's one of those things where, like, I don't know much about Indiana Jones, but I'm assuming knowing how much George Lucas loved his fucking movie serials, I'm sure this was a huge inspiration for that. Yeah. But sometimes, like, you know, when you take the thing and go, okay, we'll make it better, it doesn't make sense to go back to the thing. Right. I've never seen it, but I keep thinking of that Lone Ranger movie that came out also with Johnny Depp. That like, is in your future. <laughs> it's like, who is this for? Like, you're trying to kickstart this property, but from like 50 years ago when no one under 70 is going to be excited for it. Like, it's just some executive producer was probably like, no, I really love this thing. I can make a franchise out of it. Like, I don't know. It's like, well, <laughs> I made this and it made you money, so you're going to fucking give me the rights to it. And I'm like, all right, sure, don't fuck it up. Then they did. So legend has it that the the first class of skulls met at that skull cave. <laughs> All I've been thinking about is fucking Paul Walker running around the skull cave, dude. <laughs> dad! Oh god, dad, no, it's terrible. <laughs> oh, dad. Oh, it killed him. <laughs> I killed the devil wolf. So, yeah, he <laughs> stabbed him right in his back. <laughs> so, uh, Diane's looking around there, and he's like, okay, turns out the skulls are too powerful for you to even comprehend. I'm going to send you back to, I don't know, Chicago or whatever. And uh, the only other guy on the island says, no one argues with a phantom and wins, because the phantom runs away from all his arguments. <laughs> <laughs> So we go back to 1930 <laughs> Chicago, and somewhere Jesus in that giant, Dewey. somewhere in that giant Drax building, is a stock associate who's just rocking out to Crocus before, uh, <laughs> <God damn laughs> before Jean Claude Van Damme shows up and throws him off the roof. You've been waiting all day to see. <laughs> <laughs> you better believe it. But we also cut to Billy Zane, Gross. who gets out of a taxi. You can't get me started, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> You know what they say, dude. <coughs> you can't crocus, go brocus. <laughs> Alright, I'm going back to class. Fuck this. You have 107%. You're good. I hate Black Friday so much, you guys. I'm so tired. <laughs> Alright, so Billy Zane gets out of a taxi wearing Dr. Poison sunglasses. It's, it's a lot to take in. It's the second Wonder Woman reference I, so far. You're such uh, an ally. And he he decides that he will pay the taxi driver in Tom Green's back. <laughs> what the fuck is this? <laughs> I was so much happier just staying in the jungle the whole movie. Like they even say like, oh yes, I was raised in America. So he just shows up like, oh, I don't have your human dollars. Here's a bag of jewels. Enjoy. <laughs> Guy from Ace Ventura. God damn it. You can't do a fish out of water movie when the fish out of water spent 20 years in America. Ah, oh, back home. Ah, oh, you use American dollars with your human presidents on them. I'm afraid I only have these shiny rocks. <laughs> well, it's the 1930s. They couldn't tell the difference. So I like I feel like somebody else maybe could have sold this, but Billy Zane is not your guy for this. Scene. That's a good point, yeah. <laughs> So, he just looks actually money, confused. <laughs> speaking of money, 
Uh, imagine holding a meeting with investors and stockholders and the mob based on the fiduciary value of supernatural skulls. <laughs> there is order in chaos. <laughs> this is like... This is like if Dr. Evil's counsel in the first Austin Powers are just made of nerds and mafia guys. <laughs> Can you imagine? This is how Bitcoin works in my head, to be honest with you, so. <laughs> They're just always going after their lucky skulls. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, Guido Zarducci is uh, not impressed with... That's uh, not a name. <laughs> that's... <laughs> I, I say that because it is plausibly a name <laughs> <laughs> that was his name before he went to Ellis Island anyway uh, he's not impressed with the skull powerpoint that he has <laughs> the one guy says hey you've only got one skull where's the other one I'm after it Donnie <laughs> it's like oh, count me out this is wrong I used to be an altar boy and now I have Pause. a Tommy gun so <laughs> What are we that saying? Line probably dude? hit way different in 1938. Yeah, <laughs> that's a I wink and a nod to the real fans out there who know all about it. <laughs> <laughs> I love when comic book movies put in Easter eggs, like having the yeah. Superman logo in the background or talking about fucking kids. So I can't uh, help you. I went to Penn State. <laughs> so he just picks up a spear and hurls it at the motherfucker. <laughs> Right, if you don't want to be in on my stock trade, <laughs> this is definitely the point. The movie was like, "Look, I'll probably never watch this again, but I'm feeling it right now." He just, yeah. he just threw a spear at that guy for me. Like, yeah, I can't go to these uncharted islands to look for a magic skull. Can you now? It's just fucking murders him. If you're gonna have a spear in your office, you might as well use it, right? You think this is for decoration, huh? But, but then he does like he does like the quarterback thing where after you throw a long touchdown pass, you, like you work out your rotator cuff and everything, and he says, "Oh, my bursitis is really flaring up." So I guess he's gonna go golfing <laughs> with an air horn. Anyway. Uh... <laughs> So I have to wonder, how did Billy Zane get off Skull Island to go to college with Diane? Dude, I none of this makes any sense. Like, you think the Native Islanders also had a biplane? I just like to imagine that she, you know, had to take the six-week voyage back to Chicago. Don't don't worry about the geography there. And he just had like a slightly faster boat or something. I don't fucking know. Like, yeah, <laughs> I rode my horse all the way here from Benghazi Island. <laughs> <laughs> I like this is something I just wrote down now. It doesn't like matter, but this is a movie that desperately needs at least one Ted Raimi. You're not wrong. You know that's that's the thing that's missing that could have turned this into a Batman and Robin. You put Ted Raimi in this movie, suddenly we're a lot kinder to it. Like we would have done this in the first year of the podcast. <laughs> this so. movie's like two bad decisions away from just having a Wishmaster in it. <laughs> it's in a real bad spot. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point. So, uh, Diane and Billy Zane, sorry, Kit Walker, are uh, discussing uh, where could that other skull be located. And their little assistant, their little Redfield, is just like, I remember for my 10th birthday party, I went to the Museum of Natural History and there was a skull there and I saw the skull and the skull looked at me. They're like, okay, we'll go there. Unfortunately. And wouldn't you know it? You go to a museum in the 30s and you find a skull. That could be... 
Look at this native savage we found on Kong Island. Like, what the fuck, dude? This is just a skull. What is this? You see the calipers and everything can tell us the elongated jaw. <laughs> the quick After twitch in we the... the port. <laughs> Weird. Once we uh, broke it of its will, it just let us take its skull. It's crazy. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the poor chap was having quite a day. Anyway, uh... <laughs> the Phantom actually represents the true owners of this historical artifact and wants it returned to the rightful country. So he's basically Killmonger. <laughs> yeah, I thought the same thing. <laughs> like, I have this fucking seat. So, okay, so he breaks into the, the exhibit to get the skull. Yeah, he's a ghost who but walks. Then, it's a subtle move. Yeah, but then treat williams has the actual two skulls in his bag so it was just a fake but also he's the keeper of it and didn't know it was a fake i huh i mean we're skipping over the, the best line the skulls. in the movie i keep them in my fanny pack at all times <laughs> i hope i'm never captured with my no powers the best line in the movie is hey guys it's okay museum security they're serving cake and sandwiches out in the lobby, and everyone immediately goes right to the lobby. There's like a, there's like an audible murmur, like Ugh. oh my god, they have freshly chilled bologna out there. Let's get going. <laughs> I wrote down more people will come if they if we say they have punch and pie. I was told there would be punch and pie. <laughs> I was to understand. Excuse me, my apologies. <laughs> You can, you can just hear a Texas accent amongst one of the people being, I wonder what kind of sandwiches they are. Hey, you got Pepper Jack or? <laughs> can you imagine as he's confronting Billy Zane over the third skull, some, someone just comes up and tugs Treat Williams' like sleeve, being like, hey, uh, where are the sandwiches? <laughs> hey, this is Cheddar, so no fucking deal, okay? <laughs> Give me that skull. You don't even have Monterey Jack? What kind of museum is this? <laughs> Sir, why are you serving fingers on burger night? <laughs> I brought the missus. We got all dolled up. I came here exclusively for the chili dogs. Where? <laughs> They're that... trying to have a conversation as he's smacking the, tools, the two skulls together and destroying all the stained glass windows. He's just yelling about, like, oh, the power! Show me the power! <laughs> And you just see me in the background in a 10-gallon hat just getting chili stains on all the paintings. <laughs> it's so lifelike! <laughs> just wiping mayonnaise on all the bas-reliefs. <laughs> so, uh, they have to go to the Devil's Vortex. <laughs> which, that just sounds like a Game of Games Funny. reference right there. I had Jack in the Box last night. I've been to the Devil's Vortex. <laughs> Oh no, now you guys have to go to the Devil's Vortex. You hear the rattling of dice. <laughs> Please, no spoilers. <laughs> if I end up in a skull cave, I'm going to be very upset. <laughs> a yeah. skull pyramid? No. Shapes there don't work is like a movie that. with a skull pyramid this, out there somewhere. I don't this know. This pyramid was built by skeletons. <laughs> the ancient bone men have constructed a riddle just for you. It's a real shame that I can't assign you whichever alien vs. Predator takes place in that right, pyramid. Thank it was a good thing we didn't episode. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I love that I've watched it. I don't know which one it was. Anyway. Uh, our good friend Treat Williams kidnaps Diana and takes her along with Catherine Zeta-Jones inside a, a taxi to Skull Island, I guess. Uh, no, to the Devil's Vortex. 
Anyway, what proceeds is, I, I had to write this down. This is the lamest conversation I've ever heard in my life. Diana asks Catherine Zia-Jones, What is wrong with you? Why are you so mean? Don't you care about anything? Catherine Zeta-Jones says, like what? And uh, Diana responds, you figure it out. <laughs> That's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Do you think they actually wrote that in the script? Or was that just improvised? Sounds like something that the fucking kid in that uh, in Last Action Hero would say. Yeah, that's a good point. It does sound like that. It's like, why is this even in the... Why, why is this scene in the movie? Why don't you cut this down? The movie's 100 minutes long. This could have been a tight 90. Could you imagine? Yeah, so... Why is any movie that, longer that than 91 sucks. minutes? So they get to the Devil's Vortex, where the pirates have their pirate ship is, like, lodged into the island. And that's, like, the coolest set I've ever seen. Even though it's something from the Goonies. And I <laughs> thought that, like, that would have been cool to, like, visit and walk around on. And no one looks like they're having fun. Except for Treat Williams. And Parker, is that pirate, Cabai Sang, or whatever, <sighs> is he uh, the guy from Mortal Kombat? Funny. This is the second moment where I'm like, look, I might never watch this again. But this pan route from this cool-ass pirate set to the leader of the Chinese pirates being Shang Tsung. I was like, okay, we are <laughs> locked in for right now. I don't know right? how this will affect my total enjoyment, but as of this moment, I am paying attention. So, uh, apparently they don't have uh, enough skulls. There is a secret fourth skull. And uh, all the little Italian uh, mafia men who are part of the stock stockholders and investors and everything are just like, okay, that's a uh, bullshit. Which uh, <laughs> also me. We're an hour twenty. I oh, you didn't know about the fourth skull? Like, well, fuck you. No, <laughs> no, we're not going anywhere else. We're done. I yeah. just, I just want to talk about this, uh, <laughs> this dumbass mobster guy's pitch to the leader of the pirates. To, uh... Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> so Treat Williams is like clearly bluffing and saying, "Oh, well, you know, everyone knows we're here, so they're gonna come find you." So he steps forward and goes, "Nah, actually, no one knows we're here. And also, if you don't let me go, I'm gonna shoot you." <laughs> like, I'm sorry, what? Or else you'll be sleeping with the fishes. <laughs> like, it's, Italian's not a race, but uh, tell that to them. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that's true. Oh boy, that that seed hurt. Anyway, then it comes on with the fire the cannon sequence where they fire a <laughs> cannon at this guy, and the guy gives a biggest huh? face like he's in an earnest movie. Guys, is this movie actually good? Because that guy gets cannonballed. <laughs> the guy's like, "Hey, he goes, never fall in love with the show. I'm getting out of here." And then they cannonball him into a shark-filled <laughs> lake. Is this movie good? <laughs> They, he fucking flies. His body flies like the body at the end of Paranormal Activity. <laughs> he really does. It's like when they you see a well shitty cheap movie screen. and it just cuts to a doll with a wig on flying across the screen. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, is the best part of every movie. <laughs> he gets a fucking mad TV death, dude. <laughs> Kenny Rogers, this is the pirate cave. <laughs> you know... This really needed a goofy scream right here. <laughs> <laughs> I know what sound effect I'll be downloading for this. <laughs> We've been so much better than a Wilhelm scream. Anyway, um, this happens to be the shittiest band of pirates in history. <laughs> because they're easily overtaken by Catherine Zeta-Jones, Diana, and some guy in a purple people eater outfit. <laughs> Catherine Zeta-Jones just decides, like, 
oh, actually, I'm a good guy now. <laughs> I was like, all right, grab a sword. Let's do this. I oh, the, the reason that she's working with the good guys is so much worse. It's because the pirates threatened to sexually assault both of the women, and they look at each other and go, I guess us girls gotta stick together now. A baby's gotta do what a baby's gotta do. <laughs> it's just like, how is this your segue into Catherine Zeta-Jones as a good guy this now? Is this is a redemption moment. The threat ridiculous. of sexual assault by dozens of pirates. Catherine Zeta-Jones is an angel? <laughs> That's a Parker's future. Anyway, Fuck me, uh... no. <laughs> So anyway, Catherine Zeta-Jones is roundhouse kicking people, and uh, uh, Billy Zane is just shooting people. That's right. Kind of makes you feel bad. Because <laughs> in that cold open, they're like, ah, he was given this ring. You're like, oh, what does the ring do? And he just pulls up with a gun. You're like, oh, okay, <laughs> whatever, I guess. <laughs> the 30s hit different. Yeah, I guess. Um, anyway, he just, they discovered that they had the fourth skull the entire time. It was on his finger. It's a skull ring. Uh, Dude, I was known. I was so mad when it wasn't somebody that was in the movie's skull. <laughs> it was actually Trick Williams' skull. Hey, come here. Yeah. I found out why I've been so drawn to you and just put her head first in front of me. <laughs> oh, just take her skull and... <laughs> okay, put them together. Hey, DC, look in that look in that treasure chest right there. You see the... <laughs> okay, she's out. <laughs> can't get out of there. Well, you put them together, it forms a message. <laughs> uh, then comes to one of my favorite line deliveries here. Treat Williams, uh, upon being informed that the fourth skull is on his ring, he says, Ha! What a cheap jungle trick! <laughs> <laughs> That's a very loaded sentence if I've ever heard one. <laughs> I've heard similar things watching uh, players celebrate after touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard similar things said about this podcast. Anyway. Uh, you can yeah, choose Catherine whether to keep that. That's on now. you. You can make that they choice. Es- they escape in a torpedo, I guess. And, yeah, whatever. Uh, hey, hang on a second. We're not just going to talk about Trout Williams being literally turned into <laughs> dust by magic school. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he goes out the same way that uh, those those uh, people, those cops went out in the lawnmower man. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that they get As to his the scream goes up. <laughs> they get to the pirate cave, and the king of pirates is hoodwinked into accidentally jumping in the lake and getting eaten by a shark. <laughs> it's so fucking funny, dude. <laughs> Treat Williams' final scream as he goes out is turned into. Uh, was it the macaronis from Lawnmower Man? <laughs> <laughs> Moses demands. They, it's like they bend the note with a scream. They auto tune the scream so it just gets even higher. <laughs> Treat Williams chopped and screwed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. I fucking love it. Um, but yeah, they escape via torpedo or something like that. And it uh, turns out he reveals he's actually the second ghost who walks. The original Phantom was his father. Uh, we would have known that if we didn't come in late. But also so, his uh, dad is like 85 years old. Like, ah, you're the takeover. Like, were you the like, Phantom in your 70s? It, like, is his dad a ghost? It's like, like Batman Beyond. <laughs> I so, thought anyway. his dad was a ghost at first. Is, and like, is he not? His dad was His dad was a ghost, yes. It's okay. a, well, a force projection, really. We see there were but, 20 uh, Phantoms hey. before him, and no Phantom is really gone. And there's a dyad between him and the horse, and... There's a lot. Of- <laughs> it really is about family. I think the dyad is so the horse and the wolf. 
That's right, they do communicate. Well, his father died a long long time ago. So, fuck off. Damn it. This does have one of my favorite moments here, uh, where you can tell this was a studio override or something. Um, He takes off his mask for Diana, who's like, oh, I know that you're Kit Harrington Walker. Uh, And he's like, oh, how could you tell, even though Treat Williams said it earlier in the movie? Anyway, he takes off his mask, and he's like, I'm not supposed to do that unless it's the woman I'm going to marry. And she kisses him and just walks away. And it's like, oh, you got refused. And he says, he's, sorry, one real quick. No, please go. He says, no one refuses the Phantom. So now he's going to kill her. And like, not only that, but right before the scene happens, we see Catherine Zeta-Jones standing on the side of the plane, looking at them. Just imagine he notices she's there and he just sticks the wolf on her to terrify <laughs> Tell no one what you saw today. It's weird here. This paper says, is the Phantom a Mormon? <laughs> ah, yes. You are both my wife now, for you have seen my face. Anyway, movie over. So she walks away and then uh, abruptly a studio uh, voice comes in and be like, okay, hold on. Actually, she's going to marry him uh, later. She re- she resolved that she would return to the jungle. She actually likes him. Please. That's not what we had in the script. I don't know what the actress was doing right there. But uh, yeah, th- there's going to be another one of these. Come back for the Phantom 2. Her return to the jungle. <laughs> Benjamin Ghazi. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, next week's episode is not The Shadow with Alec Baldwin. Oh, thank God. I can't all do I can two of these. The, the, all I can think about is the Pinky and the Brain episode of the, of the Shadow. He called himself the Fog. Not John the Gar- other thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I bolted upright. Holy shit. Uh, holy shit. Imagine fucking Maurice LaMarche in that voice saying the other title. <laughs> fucking his fingers in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Maurice LaMarche as Adrian Barbo announcing it. <laughs> hey, all you cool cats out there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna throw up. So, the game of games. <laughs> oh, we don't have to do that. We have to save that uh, for what says something we're gonna regret. <laughs> I was just gonna let you guys go. Yeah, I bet you would. <laughs> I mean, I'm not the one saying it for once. Three thirty in the fucking. All right, the game of games. Let's uh, see what we got here, boys. Nothing. Okay. okay. Well, next yeah, I guess I'm we're done here. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, Dragon Ball assignments first. The Steelers, Falcons, and Raiders have them, which is, again, one each for all of us. So I have six, Chris has seven, and Parker has has 17. Okay. I would like to propose something. Oh, no. (laughs) Sure, let's hear it. Does the dragon have it within his power to create a rig of some sort that would generate an additional Dragon Ball every week? You know, like, as a 50-50... Almost like a coin flip as to whether or not it could generate it. 
I believe that is within the dragon's power. What is the downside here? Uh, if it explodes on my buddy. <laughs> it's a very powerful rig. It's not to be trifled with. <laughs> One might think of it as Hunter Biden having a second laptop. <laughs> All right. So uh, what would you like to do with this this new uh, mining rig that you've you spent seven Dragon Balls on? I would like to put on my PPE and just kick that bad boy on and see whether it has the strength to conjure me an additional Dragon Ball. And what is the downside of this Buckcoin mining rig exactly? Oh, I'm... I mean, whoever wants to assign me whatever. You can both assign me for all I give a shit. I don't care. All right. Well, that's what he wished. I'm eating so. at least oh, one right. movie. That's Let's fucking go. <laughs> Let's fucking all right. go. Parker, odds or evens? Even Stevens. That's a one. All right. Oh, Chris, you have a movie for Parker? <laughs> I do. <laughs> okay. Let's I actually have a million of these. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, Parker, you could have picked an even number, like two. Or as the British say, Chew. As no. in, who <laughs> is Arthur Chew? What the fuck is that? That's a documentary about Arthur Chew. Oh. I reiterate the question. So, uh, got that one for you. Alex, right. uh, you got a cyber four? Oh, that guy. Um, God damn it. <laughs> Son of a bitch. All right. Should I make him hurt more or should I be nice? I'm ready to pay for my hubris. Oh, uh, well, all right. Whatever you think would be funniest, I think. I'll be, I'll be nice for this week. Uh, okay, no tank girl. I was not, I, that was what I, I was thinking. Holding that immunity <laughs> idol, I will there. not let it happen. <laughs> all right. So Parker, you're you're finally gonna sit down and watch the breed. Ooh, is that what I now, think this, it this is? is? This is a movie that has lost a time for our listeners because it was on the lost episode, <laughs> oh, or at least that's when I talked about it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, gee. Yeah. Okay. So they they are not familiar with the Michelle Rodriguez fights wild dogs movie. We'll have to do it justice next time. <laughs> <Yeah>. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, now I will roll for Hunter Biden's laptop, which mercifully. I guess, wait, no, you guys want to spend any more Dragon Balls? You got anything in the pipeline? No, I, I've got some mean things. We'll see how things play out. I All have right, some well, mean I'll ideas. Go ahead and uh, check this laptop. All right, who wants to assign me a movie? <laughs> uh, I really want to assign you the 1927 version of the jazz singer. <laughs> <laughs> Just do it, it's fine. No, uh, no. I'm not going to do that no. yet. I'm going to assign you uh, New York Minute, starring the Olsen twins. I am absolutely well. going to put that on and just tell my girlfriend, like, hey, hey, we're watching this for you. Hey. <laughs> so now you owe me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <clears throat> you know, I think I've already seen this, oh. if I'm being honest. Oh. There was a whole lot of Olsen twins movies when I was a kid at daycare. Like, This was the last one they ever made. I think I saw this, like, oh, just mind. in the essence of fairness. Like, Oh, in the essence of fairness, I'm going to give you a good one. Uh, I'm going to give you Drop Dead Gorgeous. All right. All right, let me write that down so I don't forget this time, because I definitely forgot something I was supposed to watch from last week. What did you assign me? Oh, Corpse Ride, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Okay, what else do we have here? Team records, I guess we're at now. Um, Chris's teams went 6-3. and three. My teams went 3-6, and six, somehow. 
And uh, Parker's brand new slate of teams went three and five. So, Chris, go ahead and assign me something else. Hell yeah. Oh, no. My, my new teams, baby. We got this. I can't assign you Tank Girl again. Damn. That uh, is correct. <laughs> oh, geez. This is tough. Well, I'm, I'm just going to give you the 1927 version of the Jazz Singer. <laughs> You're going to tell me which one is better. Thinking about the bumper nuts. I'm thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, fuck it, bumper nuts. <laughs> okay, no, I, I guess I don't have to use it. All right, all right, all right, I'm good. Thank God. <laughs> 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 Just the idea of watching a black and white movie, this is like anathema to my existence. Like, I don't think I can handle it. It's actually now, um, culturally significant. Oh, never mind. Uh, nope. <laughs> not my culture. Not anymore, it's not. <laughs> I am not 100 years old. Sorry. Most of my assignments here are for Parker. Oh, there's some animated movies on here. That's right. All right. Feelings mutual, buddy. (laughs) Let's get to our community teams. All right. This looks like a win for the Dolphins and a win for the Packers. Wow, surely nothing bad's going to come from these good dice. Yeah, I never end up anywhere. (laughs) Ooh, that's a 20. That means we get... Fuck. <laughs> We're walking through the woods. <laughs> we encounter a manticore. Damn it! But this this manticore is different from the other manticores. <laughs> you see, its colors are inverted. This is a reverse manticore who is only going to be pleased if we watch a good movie. That's well, it's scary when I was reading it up. I don't really, yeah. I don't really <laughs> watch it. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Uh, you, don't have to, you, don't have to, you don't have to pick right now, but be known, if you do not watch a sufficiently good movie, the Manticore will be very displeased. You can watch some, like, five-star movie on a hundred list be like, Ah, oh, Manticore thinks that movie sucks shit, actually, so... <laughs> <laughs> that would be Chicago. Chicago wouldn't be good enough. Manticore only likes movies made after 2005. Sorry. <laughs> Ooh, it doesn't matter how significant the scene was. There's a lot of blackface in it. He said so. good, not significant. Oh, you got it now. So I have a question for the Manticore. If it please this monstrosity. Does he mean capital G good or... Manticore has not revealed that to me at this time. You'll have to <laughs> present your movie to it as a gift and figure it out for yourself. Oh, man. This is... This is going to be tough. I'm going to be... Wa- right, i got to walk that tightrope. i got to find one. Call A, little column B. This is so far outside of my comfort zone watching good movies. I have to pick a good movie on purpose? Like, I have to... No, 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 no. I'm going to start going up to bums on the street being like, hey, what's the best movie you ever saw? No, you're going to go up to bums on the street like, hey, man, are you a manticore? <laughs> hey, hey manticore, who do you think we should draft this year? <laughs> You see a DB in the second round, I swear to God. Uh, yes, it is I, Batman's arch nemesis, Ross I. Dowling. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, good movie. Alright, one more good dice to roll. Hey, good news, guys. Roger Goodell's back. He wants to know what you guys thought about uh, the locations. Would you like to give him a report? Uh, uh, yeah, sure. Well, uh, Mr. Goodell, I have uh, my presentation here, and uh, 
you know, I really think that the London market would be very good for uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'd have a ready stable of cheerleaders right off the bat. Uh, they'd all be played by dudes. I don't know if that'd be something. It could be a marketing gimmick. We could do something like that, kind of like the Hogettes for uh, the Redskins uh, <laughs> football team. Could do that. Um, there would not be a whole lot of fans. There's not a lot of space in London. But uh, overall, I think if I had to grade it as location, uh, 100 out of 10. All right. How about uh, Mexico City? Um, beautiful climate. Weather's nice. Food's great. People are nice. However, it'd be unsustainable because of the giant Aztec Rex that keeps eating people. <laughs> the heart sacrifices have not been enough. It keeps returning to seek vengeance. And he just, you know, he can't play a football game like that. Now, uh, my report from uh, from Florida states that while it seems that the fan base supports the Jaguars, we don't know if those dastardly Russians are meddling in our polling data. So, uh, I'm going to go with inconclusive. Unless, uh, unless we can get that gator that, uh, that Chuck Norris wrestled in this movie involved. <laughs> and, uh, Roger looks over all of us. Hmm, yes, yes. Hmm, yes. All right. I am going to reward you all. With one swap ticket. Now, you can use this ticket to swap movies with someone. You can use it to swap teams. You can use it to, I don't know, whatever the hell else you can think to swap. But you must use it today. Oh, no. So, I I will go ahead and uh, swap my Texans for the Green Bay Packers. Get these guys out of here. Enjoy the Texans community. Damn it. Why would you do that to us? They're two and seven. Damn it. Alright, how do I how do I how do I save this? Okay. Well, I'm going to swap I'm gonna take the Texans. <clears throat> I can't have another bad dice roll. <laughs> That's gonna hurt. <laughs> I'll put the best team possible in as community team. I hate to part with them, but Let's go with the uh, Super Bowl champion. I already Detroit changed Lions. the color. <laughs> I already changed the color. I knew what you were going to say. <laughs> I, it's like letting my butterfree go. Oh, my God. I want to take them so bad. No. <laughs> I have to be strong. Hey, uh, can you remind me who my worst teams are? Because I don't know who's on my team anymore. Oh, that's debatable. All right. all right. Let's go ahead and read off all of your teams, but just the ones under 500. Okay. I have the perfect music for this. The Patriots, the Jets... <laughs> The Jaguars, the Broncos, the Eagles, the Cowboys, the 49ers. I think Chris wants my Jets. Come who, do I have, who do I have to choose from now that I can't have his Lions? Um, so his teams the are the Bengals, the Texans, the Colts, the Titans, the Raiders, the Chiefs, the Giants, the Vikings, the Buccaneers, and the Panthers. Parker, you should take the Giants. Their locker room culture. It's really good. As much yeah. as I respect a man who can knock out Joe Judge, I'll be taking those Chiefs. Man. Very right. unfair. Well, I mean, you could have used your ticket to not help the rest of us. <laughs> Alright, well that was a pretty painless week for people who aren't me. <laughs> well, we know how the jazz singer goes. Hey. It, it comes to all of us, okay? <laughs> Everyone can be your turn. 
All right, tune in next week for more of the Game of Games. I still and have to go to Benghazi. Oh, I can't wait to do <laughs> Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah. That's going to be literally the only movie I watch next week. It's going to own. And that's the tea, sis.